Welcome to our podcast episode, Future Champion Carter Blades. At only 14, Carter has the world at his feet. He is a silky smooth 400 meter Queensland and Australian sprint champion and has broken the under 13 and 14 Queensland records in successive years, which is remarkable considering he ran his first 400 meter competitive race at 13. In this episode, we sat down with Carter, his coach Jackie, and Carter's parents. Your starters in the under 15 men's 400 metre final. Coming out of lane two from New South Wales, Zachary Flynn in three from Victoria, Jai Lever in four from the ACT, Hayden Todd in five from Queensland, Carter Blades in six from Victoria, Will Barbary in seven from Queensland, Dylan Devine in eight from Victoria, Jacob McGear, and in nine from New South Wales, Shayan Adakari. So we're away here in the under-15, 400 metre final. Zachary Flynn, Jai Lever, Hayden Todd, Carter Blades, Will Barbary, Dylan Devine, Jacob McGear and Shane Adakari. Shane Adakari on the outside having a great start. Carter Blades also moving well down the back straight. He's coming up onto the shoulder of the Victorian on his outside. Barbary always having these lads on the outside. And our female athletes having some brilliant starts. Really putting the pressure on the athletes on the inside. But Carter Blades... He's going to turn at 150 to go in front. Dylan Devine, though, is more of a known for his finishing speed, the distance runner. Will Barbary there is also in the picture. But it's Carter Blades with a very handy lead. Todd Hayden Todd from ACT is not out of it yet with Barbary and Devine. Devine starting to fade just a little bit, but Carter Blades powering to the line. It's going to be a big win, 51 flat from Barbary and Todd. There's your one, two, three, Carter Blades. Undoubtedly, your champion here in the under 15, 400 metres. I, wa- I want to talk about your growing up in, in sport, particularly in athletics and rugby union. Uh, but before we do that, I just wanted to know how you felt at the Australian Nationals where you ran the 400 and became the under 15s Australian champion. What you do to prepare and how you're feeling uh, for that race in particular they're all really the same you just walk over from the warm-up and um i usually just sit sit there and watch cause, or sometimes they have a tv or a live broadcast of the championships i usually just watch that when other people are jumping around stretching and i don't know i just like to sit down and concentrate on what i have to do do you feel a sense of nerves um sometimes or in Perth, I did definitely, yeah. In Perth, so we'll, yeah. we'll get to Perth. So, but the national championships in Sydney, where you actually won the gold medal for the for the four hundred, you go into the call over room. What does it look like? You sort of it depends what time you get there, because sometimes you'll have to wait for them to actually open your age groups um, event, and that can be boring, really, just waiting around before you have to go into the call room. When you go in the call room, it it sort of gets more serious and. You realise that this is the 400 final. They call, you, they kind of call out your name, what lane you're in, and then you go and sit down in that because they um, have the chairs, they're the lanes. So um, you sit in them, they're plastic, so they aren't really comfortable. And they are, you're facing everyone else. Um, so, yeah, you're facing, you're facing people and people are next to you or sometimes people are standing up stretching sometimes people are just sitting down and other people are just jumping around really and do you talk to your competitors oh uh, i don't i i wish them luck that's about it but do you really mean it when you wish them luck yeah yeah i mean it when you go out you're you're called out by the usher yeah 
and then what happens from there. And, and I'm particularly interested in in what happened at Sydney, um, where you competed for the the gold medal for the under 15s Australian Championship. Well, at Sydney, we had to wait for ages. Um, yeah, we had to wait a long time, a lot longer than usual. It was it was annoying more than anything because you kind of just wanted to go out there and run and get it over with. But now you had to wait for other races to finish. And then you let out into the track? Yeah, well, you kind of wait and watch the age group before run and then they say, go and set up your blocks and, yeah, you go out there, set up your blocks. So let's talk about that moment that you set up your blocks. I don't really think too much at that point. Um, sort of just get the blocks right and then I'll have a, I'll run out of them once and then I'll just think that I have to get out of the blocks fast. And what's going through your mind before the race starts? Just the race plan, really. Just stick to that and hopefully it goes well. And is your race plan different every time? Um, no, not really. No, well, it was different at Sydney than it has been this year or last year, sorry. So ex- explain to me the Sydney race plan. Oh, I can't really remember the first 200. I'm pretty sure it was quick. And then it was kick pretty much every 50 metres around the bend. And then, yeah, hold on the last 100. Working out your race plan, do you speak to your coach about this? Is this something you work out on the day or is it weeks in advance? Um, She usually just tells me in the warm-up. I asked Jackie how she manages an athlete's warm-up before a race. Well, I want them to already be prepared before before they rock up. Um, so every single race is different and every athlete's different. So um, one athlete might want to put their headphones and just be within themselves and that's cool. Um, if I And I just try to get a general sense of whether they want me there or not. Some athletes like to just be within themselves and that, that's fine, whatever works for them. Um, and then some athletes need you to remind them what their next drill is even though they've done it every single day for the whole year of training. Um, they just need you there. So um, – I'm just that presence and I just remind them that they know what they're doing. Nothing's new. They've done it all before. They've done it at training. They've raced before and remind them that they have got the confidence is actually already there within them. That I just remind them that it's there because there's nothing like I'm not making them run. I'm not making them fast. They're the ones that are the athlete and just if they need the reminder, that's what I do. My next question to Jackie was how is Carter different in his warm up? Uh, I think he's a little bit more nervous for the heat, um, kind of need to get it out of the way because he has, um, well, some expectations of what he's achieved in the past and what he knows he can achieve. Um, so he's got the nerves from the heat. Usually you just need to get that one over and done with. It gets the cobwebs out. And then approaching the final, um, it's a different kind of focus. Because Carter is at the level that he's at um, in his age, he's not looking at trying to make a final. Um, we kind of already know that he should be in the final. So that one's a nerve-wracking one, knowing that I'm fast enough to possibly win the final, but I've got to get there first. And then I think he's a little bit more relaxed when it comes to the final and he's more um, nervous about executing his strategy properly because um, when you're in the final, you're up against athletes who are of the same calibre, all aiming for the same the same result. Um, some of them can be point something of a second away from apart from each other. So executing that race is quite important. You're ready to start. Talk me through that race. From um, the set and the go, it, it's a long time. Well, it feels like a long time waiting. 
till the till the gun goes off. And then when that does, it's I know I can't really remember what I think during the race when I finish. How's your heart? How are you feeling? It's normal, really. A little bit nervous, but I think the nerves help me know that I'm ready to run. I try not let the the guy on the inside get to me at all during the race, and then on the outside, I want to beat him around that last bend. If I beat him around the the last the last bend, then I'm in front of him at least on that straight back straight or home straight. Sorry. What what do you mean by you try not to let the guy on the inside get to you? Why would the guy on the inside get to you? Oh, if he gets to me, I know that I've got to work a lot harder to get around this bend in, to get in front of him, really. You've run the first 200. How are your legs? I don't really think about my legs. It's more I'm puffed at that first 200 and I'm like, oh, I realise I've got 200 to go. Probably the last 50, the arms get really heavy and the legs get heavy but after that really just walk around and I'm fine after when you're heading down towards the finish line when did you know you'd won that race uh when I probably finished and I looked back and I was the first across I was pretty happy when I saw that because I didn't I didn't really know I was winning um during the race so I want to take you back to when you won the Queensland 400 when you were 13 how hard is it and how much pressure do you feel when you've already crowned Queensland champion to have to back it up? I don't really think of that really at States. I just try and make the Queensland team. I don't really think about having, I don't really think, oh, I didn't think about the year before 2018 um, running that 400. I didn't really think about that. But at Nationals, I did. Um, yeah, at Nationals, I definitely did. Troy Haligowski is a mind coach who works with athletes to get them mentally prepared for competition. One of the areas that he addresses is the fear and anxiety associated with success and failure. Yeah, I mean, it comes down to the fear of failure in some way. Um, The fear of success is slightly different. Um, When you talk about the fear of success, it's like when I finally get there, all this stuff changes around me Um, and then expectations get put on me that if I take them on board my world becomes too difficult to handle and um, and so therefore it's easier for me to back away and be a little bit less and not have have that pressure rather than saying there is a pressure in being successful how do I manage that success and it, it really ties down to not letting success in that sense of all externals be your end game because if that's the case, you'll ride a roller coaster. You know, you'll be successful one minute, and someone will sling some dirt, and everyone now doesn't like you, and you know what I mean. Or you fall over, and you didn't win that race, and now it's like, oh gosh, it's I'm not successful anymore. And that that's just a really limiting way of of seeing yourself. Um, I was reading uh, this guy was talking about, you know, uh, if I played a game of golf against Jack Nicholson, for example, and I beat him, well, I'll feel really cool about that success. But then going on, everyone says, oh gosh, you beat Jack Nicholson in golf, you must be amazing. And now there's this pressure of, I've got to perform for them. And everything comes about these externalities rather than looking for the success within yourself and making yourself your own best target. So when I talk to the, the, the people that I coach, it's, it's like saying, okay, don't worry about everything else. Don't worry about winning first. Don't, don't make that the goal. Make your goal to be a little bit better today than you were yesterday. Find that one place you can improve. And eventually that will happen for you. So yeah, there is this notion that when you get to success, there is all this pressure and I impose it on myself and others give it to me as well. And that becomes a fear. 
I fear being successful. So when it comes to uh, how do you how do you overcome fear in general, you don't run from it and back away and say I'm going to be second place. You look at the fear and you, and you face it head on and you, you look at it. And most people when they fear success, it's associated with a feeling. I fear being successful. There is an emotional content that will happen in your body and you'll, you'll feel fear. The first step is face your fear. Second step is understand what your body's doing when you start to fear something or being successful because you'll have an emotional reaction, a chemical surge through your body. Understand that and learn to utilize that emotional state to restructure the way you think about things, you know what I mean? And then you can push into success and not worry about what other people think and maintain where you're going. Um, and it will serve you not only well in sport, it will serve you in life because um, the fear of failure, the fear of success will happen in business, it'll happen in any, in, in, in personal relationships and in sport. So the same skill sets that you can develop in, in sport is going to serve you for life. In Sydney 2019, when you, were, when you won the, the gold medal, you felt the pressure. Yeah, because December in Cairns, I had also won school, um, school nationals, so I, I definitely felt it. Because it was the first nationals back from winning the gold in Cairns. Talk to me about Cairns. How did that feel? Winning your first was that your first yeah national yeah. gold? It was. I don't know. I, I didn't. It didn't really hit till probably I got back to the hotel because I was uncomfortable in the wet conditions. I was soaked because it was. It was pretty heavy. It was pretty bad. The conditions up there running. It felt. It felt pretty good, really. How quickly between when you won the gold medal in Cairns? Were you back to training and focusing on the next event? December, really, I probably had off because nationals was at the start and I didn't probably start training till January for getting ready for uh, club national. How hard is it to back up once you've achieved a massive goal to then have to start all over again and know how hard training will be uh, to, to go again and achieve another goal? It's pretty hard, probably the first week. It's probably the worst at training throughout the year, coming off um, a pretty big break. I mean, back to pretty hard stuff. I asked Jackie about the difficulties that coaches face in getting an athlete to refocus after achieving a significant goal. Well, it's definitely hard because it's something that's going on mentally in their head. But I, I do try to look for the warning signs. So I try to make sure that I'm in tune with how my athletes are going. I also keep in mind that their students, like I said before, and they've got all those other um, things going on in their life. So I try not to overthink particular behaviours. But if I can, if I notice a bit of a pattern um, coming along, um, I'd talk to the athlete, and if they're not quite as responsive or giving me the answers that aren't really easing my thoughts, I'd chat with the parents. But um, all I can do is is my best to remind them of why they're there and um, who they are and what they've achieved and why they did athletics in the first place. So sometimes it's just a reminder of winning doesn't mean everything. Like if you do athletics just because you love it, let's go back just to doing it, just to um, to do it again because you enjoy being at training with your friends. You enjoy the feeling of the runner's high. You know, you, you can we can scrap the goals for a period of time or we can scrap the goals forever if that's what you want. Because in the end, I want my athletes to be happy and they're humans. So um, if they want to pursue a pathway of of representing Australia, that's awesome. But they're little humans first, so they've got to be happy within themselves. When I spoke to you previously and I asked you some questions, one of the things you referred to was your intensity. You referred to your intensity at competition being high or very high. 
but you marked yourself lower for intensity at training. Can you explain why the difference? Competition, it's it's definitely a lot a lot more serious. Um, but at training, I, I try and put. Um, well, it's it's kind of hard to to know. Well, I feel like it's hard to know if I'm going too fast or too slow. So I, I sort of just sit. The first one, I probably go slower than the rest just to know how I'm going at training. So that's probably why I mark the intensity a lot lower at training. Can you talk to me what a normal training week would look like for you, both for rugby union and also for athletics? Well, when it's probably term three, because that's when school rugby is, um, probably Monday is athletics, Tuesday is rugby, Wednesday is strength and conditioning for athletics, Thursday would be rugby and then Friday would be athletics. And how long is your training session? Oh, an hour and a half maybe for both, For yeah, for both sports really. And do you find it easier to lift to the intensity at athletics training or at, at rugby union training? Rugby union trains, um, it's sort of just for fun, it's for like because I enjoy playing rugby, whereas athletics, it's, uh, it's serious because, like, you got nationals and states and all that. There will come a time where you have to choose a sport. Um, do you see that happening soon? Yeah. Which sport do you choose? Uh, probably athletics because I've achieved a lot more in athletics and I don't know, I just I feel different at athletics than I would at, like, a rugby competition. You started uh, competing in athletics when you were seven? Yeah, well, seven was really little athletics I did on the weekends and then um, school carnivals and then um, I think it wasn't until grade six that I, I started training and that was sort of just um, just for fun really, to to be fit. And then I, I probably didn't make my first, um, first team till I was 13. I remember when Carter was in year one, so he would have been six, five turning six, um, and it was the morning of his athletics carnival at primary school, and he said, I want to win that trophy today, and he did, and he won age champion every year through primary school. That was Carter's mum, Jody, reflecting on Carter's early success in athletics, and it is clear to her that his focus was always athletics. I don't know whether rugby union's ever been the first sport. It's always, uh, you know, from when Carter was about six or seven, uh, he played rugby union and then he changed to rugby league for a couple of years and then went back to rugby union. So he's always played that. Um, I guess because that's a team sport and athletics is more individual, you kind of notice the individual achievements in athletics, I suppose, even though he's, you know, made representative teams um, in football or rugby, um, you know, it's um, kind of stands out more, I suppose, when you're running a, a 100 and a 200 or, you know, now a 400 um, and you're winning. At what point did you realise that you firstly enjoyed athletics to want to pursue it and also that you were good at it? Well, my uh, my coach, my old coach, probably, uh, I was doing training for um, the, other pe- the other people in like the squad I trained with had made the states, had well, made the regional team and they were going to states and I hadn't. So I was sort of just training with them and um, she, sort, she sort of suggested that the 400, I should try it. And then the first 400 that I tried, I qualified for the 2018 Sydney Nationals. What disciplines were you involved in originally before you went into the 400? 
Um, I sort of just did the the one and the two, but I never, I was never really any good at them. When was your first competitive race as a four hundred meter runner? Competitive would probably be nationals, twenty eighteen. Um, because the first um four hundred was probably just to see how I was after my coach had suggested it. You go from dabbling in the 100, 200 metres, your coach sees that you're a, you're probably a, a, a middle distance or a 400 metre runner and then a year later, you're the fastest 14-year-old in the history of Queensland. How does that feel? It's different really feeling from being sort of just doing athletics for fun to taking it seriously now, yeah. You've achieved a lot in such a short time. I want to talk to you about your goals. One of your goals was to represent Australia. Yeah, um, it's probably more a, a long-term goal is to make an Australian team um, for athletics. I asked our mind coach, Troy, to consider Carter's goals of representing Australia, and this is what he had to say. Okay, well, I guess there's two things you have to look at. One is uh, the size of the goal. Because um, often what we'll do is we'll set goals which are within our own comfort zone. And it may seem like a stretch, but it's not. Um, when I listened to you uh, just a second ago, you said that he's already an Australian champion, and yet his goal is to be an Australian champion. Well, he's already fulfilled that goal. So that needs to be more clearly defined. What exactly do you mean by that? It might mean that I want to be an Australian who represents at the Olympics. Um, so you need to clearly articulate your goal, and your goal needs to be bigger than you can manage, Right. Um, as we've spoken before, you know, shoot for the stars, you'll get to the moon, but at least you've got to shoot beyond the moon. So to say I want to be an Australian champion is a great goal. Um, I would encourage him to think bigger than that. The second thing is how you break the goal down into, into manageable steps. And when I say manageable steps, like um, you won't get there tomorrow if he wants to represent Australia at the Olympics. So he needs to have a staged growth development plan for him to achieve his goals. That's the first thing. And each stage needs to be enough that it stretches him a little bit so he grows in the process of achieving that milestone um, but that milestone gets to where he wants to go. The second thing is that he then needs to get the resources around him, right? So um, his coach, his family, nutritionist, whoever else he needs to be part of his collective team so he can get there because everyone in achieving a stretch target will at some point you know, back away from that. Whenever you want to get out of your comfort zone, people want to back away from that. And so sometimes need people championing you for different areas, right? So he needs to have achievable milestones. And when he gets to that milestone, he needs to celebrate, have some way of celebrating his success because that will spur you on to the next one. And, and to look back and see your own development, to journal your journey to that point. If you journal, because the, the girls that I, I coach, you know, we've uh, got them journaling and I'll touch base them every week on their journaling. And it's more about their thought life. You know, we, we wanna, we're going to go to the World Championships this year is taking a two-year process to get her to an uh, athletic level where she can do that. Um, and now we're working on her mental her mental, um, her mental, space. So she will journal. And then I'll look at that and, and we'll talk about negative mindsets or negative thoughts. We'll talk about limiting beliefs about yourself. We'll look at, you know, uh, pushing other things out of the way, remaining focused and all those sort of things. So it's not a matter of saying, oh, I've got this big goal. It's like, okay, is the goal big enough, right? The second thing is, what are the milestones that I need to accomplish? And each milestone will stretch me. And then I need to have people around me who support me as a resource to get to that goal. But in the day, all success comes down to the mind game. You know what I mean? You can have all the money in the world, have the best coach, but if you're not in the right headspace, you're going nowhere. And so for a younger person, there's so many distractions. It could be social media, it could be the breakup with their boyfriend, or it could be whatever it is, that pulls them away from what they need to do. And so this careful development of how they think about goals, how they think about the process, how they see themselves, 
this needs to be a big part of any elite athlete because at the end of the day, you can have two guys who are equally physically in the prowess. They can run the 100 at the same time frame, but one guy's going to win and generally it's going to come down to their mindset. I, I sat down with a, a mental coach today about goal setting and we went through your goals. And one of the things he made a comment on, and I'm interested to know your thoughts, is he said that while your goal is good, um, it's not it's not unlikely or it wouldn't be a surprise if you represented Australia. It stands to reason, based on your results, that one day you'll represent Australia. And what he suggested was that your goal should be far beyond that. But if there was no limitation, what would be your absolute goal? Probably to make the Olympic Games would definitely be up there. Is there a colour you're thinking of? Um, well, a gold at Olympic, I think everyone would like. So I want to hear from you. Do you want to claim a gold at the Olympics? Yeah, definitely. Can you say those words? I would like to achieve a gold at the Olympic Games. Does it motivate you to think about one day seeing yourself at the Olympics with a gold medal around your neck? Yeah, well, I probably I probably don't ever only think about that till I'm falling asleep. I've probably done that once or twice, but um, that's probably the only time I really think about that. Coach Jackie also had a view on goal setting. So over time, it, it changes each year because I get to know the athlete on a different level and I have a lot more experience with them. So I know um, I'm always looking for what works for them and what doesn't work for them, um, what they do well at training and what they don't do well at training. But basically, I always sit down with them at the very start and go through expectations and goals um, to make sure that we're absolutely on the same page. And then I, I write their program and their programs for them. And then I sit down and liaise with the athlete again, preparing them for the national titles. I'm looking for them, uh, obviously, to reach all the milestones in their training program. So the principles that I want, the fitness, the speed, the speed endurance, etc. go to races and I learn from them and cater everything according to how the athlete's responding to the training program. I try to uh, get in their head as well at training. So when it comes to competition and they are really nervous, um, we've already got that relationship from training and that trust so that I can help them relax um, and prepare mentally for the race because they can train the house down and complete and reach every milestone. But if they're mentally not quite prepared, it can unravel everything that they've worked for. How would you describe your confidence as an athlete? For athletics, you'd be, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty confident, but I, I know that um, I have to be careful because other people have been, probably could have been training harder than I am and they could you know, win on nationals and I could come second or whatever. So does that lack of, uh, of confidence in that respect make you train harder? Definitely, yeah. Are you concerned or do you ever have any fear that you could lose it? Uh, lose a tournament or lose lose a competition? Yeah, uh, I probably think about that a lot. I don't really like it. You came third in Perth in 2019 uh, when you went to the National School Boys or National School Athletics. What was your expectation going into that race and how did you feel about getting third? Um, I knew that because I was running against a year older. They were they were sort of in the balance. I, I, I kind of I kinda just wanted to make the finals. Um and then, yeah, I made the finals and I thought, um, well, I was definitely going to try and win it. But, um, yeah, I definitely, definitely would have wanted to win that. But um, 
I don't know, I was, I was, I was both, I had mixed emotions really about coming third, it was kind of disappointing, but then I was, I was happy because it was the year old, the age above, really. Do you think it's good for your development to be racing against people older than you and having to chase them? Yeah, definitely, because um, in Perth, I, I run a PB, so um, they, everyone in that race helped me run faster than I've ever before. Now that you're back at training, what are you looking toward? Probably that nationals record that was um that was broke in that race in Perth. I wanna I wanna break that. When you compete in the Queensland Championships, what races do you compete in? The four hundred and two hundred. Will you continue doing both of those? Probably at uh, the Queensland Championships I will, but um if I make um both Queensland for uh, or Queensland for both of them, sorry. I'll probably just do the 400. And if your coach was to describe you as an athlete, what would she say? I've got no clue. <laughs> you don't know? No. Well, this is what Carter's coach, Jackie, had to say. I actually remember noticing Carter before he started training with me um, because I work here at Grandma. I wanted to offer him a scholarship because he was on the on the Darling Downs. Um, and, yeah, he blew me away. I didn't know who this kid was. Um, so I remember standing at Glenny and just seeing him flog everyone from the 100 to the 400 and uh, being incredibly impressed because his technique was beautiful. He got up on his toes, had beautiful long stride. He was effortless when he ran um, across all three events. And, um, yeah, I remember noticing them uh, then and thinking, who is this boy? As an athlete, he's incredibly talented. So he hasn't even um, – he's just starting to scratch the surface now. Uh, but he's got so much more ahead of him that he can achieve and he obviously doesn't really quite see that yet, which is totally fine. Um, but as an athlete, I'm very excited to see what he'll grow into as he matures into the open age. And you, you describe yourself as being self-motivated. How have you developed your motivation um, as you've grown in your sport? Probably the the pressure that I put on myself from previous successes definitely motivates me to work harder to make sure that I continue achieving those those things. I want to also talk about failure. Can you give me the example or a, a moment in your life where you've felt failure or disappointment? Um, probably when I was running the 100s and 200s, I always went to the the Darling Downs trials and I, n- I never made any of those teams. So that was pretty disappointing. And then um, then because I had to wait till I was 13 to run the 400 at um, Darling Downs, so I had no clue how that race was so I always thought I was more a 100-200 runner and um, I thought I was, I was probably no good at it because I never made a Darling Downs team. Carter's mum remembers the pain of failure and how she tried to deal with it as a parent. Yeah look it's heartbreaking you know to watch to to know you know to see him run you know at schools at regionals um and see him run so well and Carter's always had a really lovely running style so you know always loved watching him run um and to see him probably I don't know from year four I don't know five six miss out um on making that Darling Downs team and always just missing out um and seeing the disappointment on his face um you know is really tough you know I remember I think he was in year six and he just sat down um you know in the middle of the oval you know after the race and he just you know hung his head and he was just gutted and I remember you know you just your heart breaks for him and I think at that point we said well you know 
maybe we need to get a coach if you want to train. You know, that's that's what we'll do. If if this is what you want to do, we'll you know we'll do it. We'll make it happen. So how do you keep training when you when you doubt your own uh, ability? Um. Well, then it was probably more just training for fun, for fitness. Um. Yeah, just because um the squad I trained with, I, I really liked that. So they were enjoyable to train with. How important is it to be chasing people in training when you're racing? Do you think now looking back on it? Um, yeah, it's probably probably because the four hundred you're always chasing someone. Um, to that last hundred, you're always chasing something. So it definitely helps a lot more at training if I am chasing someone to work harder to try and to try and catch them. What's your greatest achievement so far? Greatest achievement would probably be the national national gold from um, both Cairns and Sydney. What is your greatest highlight so far? Probably my greatest highlight would have been the first time I made a Darling Downs team after um, not making it earlier that many times. Um, it was definitely very I – was, I was very happy to make that first team. I really like the highlight that Carter has chosen – as it demonstrates how grounded of an athlete he is. I also asked his parents what their highlights were. I guess it probably, um, oh, I don't know, there's lots, I guess. Um, but I guess a, a standout for me is probably um, the club nationals um, in Sydney. I think was that last year when um, Carter's coach um, had retired from coaching quite suddenly just a few weeks out from nationals and so we were a little bit up in the air of oh my god what are we going to do now um and um you know that's when we were sort of made contact with Jackie and she um said look I'm happy to support him you know for the next three weeks I'll be um in Sydney I'll you know support him at nationals um and then you know we'll we'll talk later about you know the, the future so it was just you know, we kind of went from, oh, my God, everything's just fallen apart. What are we going to do? You know, because we can see that Carter's got so much potential, um, you know, to, to Jackie coming along and just being amazing, so supportive and just, um, you know, having a really good relationship with Carter and for her to, you know, I guess she didn't have to do that. It was great, you know, that she was there for him. It's based over 12 months. So in 2018 when he went to the, to the Nationals and he come third, um, and he got beaten by Dylan Devine. I think you probably would have heard of Dylan, and, and Dylan come first in that in that 400 metre race that that day. Um, and he's a talented athlete, Dylan. He's a, he's a great runner. I saw Dylan as being a, an exceptional athlete, and for Carter to to you know beat him later that year, yeah, it was it was I thought it was a great achievement. So considering that Carter only, at that stage Carter had only run three or four 400 metre events in his whole life. With success comes attention and Carter has certainly received a lot of interest from schools offering him scholarships. Even his coach Jackie has offered him a scholarship at the Toowoomba Grammar School but Carter has decided to stay with his school Downlands. So there's this rivalry between two schools. Um, he goes to Downlands and I'm a Downlands old girl and so, so is Steve, his father. Um, and I know what it's like to go to Downlands. It's a great school um, and a lot like our grammar boys here, they're incredibly loyal to their school. Um, they know what the school can offer them and um, you have you have that relationship with your school and I completely respect that. 
Completely respect that. Carter's father, Stephen, shares a story that sheds some light on why Carter has stayed connected to his school. It is more than a school for the Carters. Australian Wallaby and Queensland Reds' Tim Horan was a Downlands old boy and used to hold the 400-metre Downlands record until Carter broke it last year. Um, I come across the record a couple of years ago when our boys first started going to Downlands. Um, I, Tim was two years above me, so I didn't really know him that well, but I, I knew him. Um, I saw that he still had the record. Um, and I think it was beginning of last year where I probably planted that seed and told Carter about the record and that, and he obviously knew who Tim was by that stage. Um, and I think he might've taken that on board and probably set himself a goal to, to, um, to, to get that record. Um, and as it turned out, Tim was actually up here in Toowoomba, uh, the weekend of the Toowoomba Downlands Day, Grammar Day they call it, um, and he was at a function for that was held by Downlands, and I got talking to Tim with another mate of mine, and we were telling Tim about Carter's success, and he was genuinely interested, um, and I, we were talking about the 400 metres and how he still had the record, and he knew that he held, still held the record, because it, it was a, a fairly handy time, um, so... Tim was really good. He he um, said that he... We, we were actually joking about it because there's a teacher that's still at Downlands, Lindsay Mason, who Tim got on quite well with. And Lindsay gets on well with, with all the boys. He was the athletics coach or, or sports master. And so we were joking about... We reckon that Lindsay was on the stopwatch that day and he you know, gave him a, a good time. <laughs> so we had a bit of a joke about that and Tim went on to say, yeah, but, you know, it was you know 30-odd years ago and I was... I was it was on grass and I, I didn't have my shoes and I wasn't dressed so anyway he offered to, to make a video for Carter and you know for me to pass it on to Carter and, and which he did we went outside and he made this video and it was he just he spoke really well he was generally interested in, in what Carter was doing um, and had some yeah great words of wisdom for Carter. G'day Carter, Tim Horan here, hope you're well. Um, just having a, a quick soft drink with your dad and he tells me you're going to try and break my record in the 400 metres next week so Good luck, mate. Hope you go well. Just thought I'd let you know that uh, I did run on grass, bare feet, didn't really have the right clothes on, no aerodynamics. So um, good luck, mate. Hope you go well. Uh, I hope you break the record and um, let me know if you do, mate, and I'll send you another message. So good luck, Carter. Run well, mate. What is it that you want to achieve this year? This year would probably be the um, the national record. Well, I think it's 48.08, I'm pretty sure. So I, I probably want to get down my PB down a second to the 48. How important are your parents in your journey? Yeah, they um they go everywhere, really, whether it's Sydney, Brisbane, Cairns, Perth, they're always there with me, so they're very supportive. If you were to give advice to any athlete, particularly in regional areas that may not have the support that other city areas do, what, what would be that advice? Oh, probably just keep trying if you... um. Yeah, if you don't make the team the first one year, try again the next and hopefully you'll make it. Carter Blades, thank you very much. I've, I've got to say, it's probably the coolest name in, in sport at the moment, isn't it? I mean, Carter uh, Blades, it's a pretty cool name. Yeah, it's all right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Thank you for joining us to hear about Carter Blades' journey in sport. Thank you to Carter, his parents and his coach Jackie for sharing their story. 
Jackie Gallagher is an outstanding coach and her knowledge and passion makes her a pleasure to talk to. I have no doubt that if Carter wants it, works for it and believes in himself, he will achieve whatever he sets his mind to. He is truly an outstanding young man and our future champion.